of Judges chapter 2. The book of Judges chapter 2. And beginning in verse 7, I'll begin reading there. This, this passage that we're going to read really kind of gives you a synopsis of the book of Judges. And um, then we'll come back and, and kind of give an overview and some lessons we can learn. Judges 2, verse 7, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at timnath in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so he delivered them into the hands of the plunderers who despoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless... The Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked, obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, The Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them And bowed down to them, they did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord, to keep in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them out of the hand of Joshua. 
So here you find a brief summary of what's taking place in the book of Judges. The book of Judges, historically, is a book that, that links the, the conquering of the lands with Joshua that we just saw last week and to Israel getting a king, King Saul. So this was a period of approximately 350 years that takes place in the book of Judges. Now, see, to help us get this in mind, um, the books of Exodus where they left, and then remember they wandered in the wilderness for 400 years, Um, 40 years approximately, is the book of Joshua. Now, the book of Judges lasts 350 years. And and in realizing that, we read over and over of things that are happening with the book of Judges. And, and it's a, teaching us a principle, many principles of God, but teaching us that obedience to God brings peace, brings prosperity, whereas disobedience brings oppression and death. Spiritually speaking, the faithfulness of God in forgiving his wayward children when they repent is brought out. But the book of Joshua leads us up to the promised land. Joshua then um, initiates them taking the promised land. But all of the land wasn't taken yet. Joshua dies. He was God's appointed man to lead Israel. But God did not appoint another man to lead Israel after Joshua. He left it up to the individual tribes to go in and conquer their land. In these individual tribes, there would be raised up leaders. Um, They were called judges. They're not judges like we think of as a district court judge or a Supreme Court judge. These were, were individuals that were, in the sense of judge, were raised up of God to bring justice But these judges were kind of a cross-mixture of a mayor, a marshal, a prophet, and God used them to go in and win battles. And so they were like a mayor, like a sheriff, like a prophet, and like a general. And... They were endowed by God with certain characteristics that equipped them for leadership. They really, they weren't elected to these. They really didn't have any, it's not like they were the king and they had authority. But they, they rose, they were God's agents in Israel and they enjoyed um, the opportunity to be used of God, but it they rose to these positions because of their personal 
qualities and characteristics and an evidence of God's Spirit in their heart. Um, We'll touch on some more things with that. But these were individuals that were put in the cycles of Israel, the cycles of life that we'll touch on here in just a little bit. But you will find, as you read through the book of Judges, it's like, oh, not this again. When a judge came in, they did what was right. But when he died, they let their hearts go after evil. And and there are some... There are some pretty gruesome accounts listed in the book of Judges. It would be R-rated if it was made a movie out of it because of the the violence. Some of them, it's, it's just incredible. But it shows one thing about the Word of God. It shows the reality of the heart of man. And man's heart is deceitful and and desperately wicked. But I want to mention, so as you continue reading through the book of Judges, you begin to see these cycles, the cycles in the book of Judges. Number one, sin. The people rebelled against God and worshipped idols from their surrounding culture. So they allowed the culture around them to influence them, and then they started synchronizing, meaning they would take some of the culture's things, practices, and beliefs, and bring them in with their own, and they corrupted their walk with God due to this sin. Israel's spiritual condition, whether they were close to God or far away from God, Establish their material and political condition. You can follow that throughout history, and that's what's so concerning about our nation today, is nations that turn their back on God are short-lived. And freedom and life and liberty are short-lived. But righteousness, Proverbs tells us, exalts a nation. So Israel, after God had done all these things with Moses and leading them out, and this new generation that crossed the Jordan River, and remember last week we said they set up the memorials to remember the God that that opened and parted the Jordan River and saw them march around Jericho, And how quickly they turned away from God with sin. Well, sin, then the next thing on the the cycle is sin brings judgment. God raised up enemy nations, pagan nations, heathen nations, to be an instrument in his hand to bring judgment upon Israel. And you will read. Israel sinned, God raised up the Midianites, and the Midianites ruled over them and had them in servitude, and sometimes it was eight years, sometimes it was 18 years, sometimes it was 40 years. 
But for 350 years, this cycle continued. They'd sin. God would bring judgment. And God allows and God raises up enemy nations to subjugate his people and to bring them to the point of repentance, which is the next in the cycle. When it finally got bad enough, the people repented. And we, we read that in, in what it says. The Lord's ears were open. He was moved by pity, to pity by their groaning because of those that oppressed them. The oppression became so great. They cried out to God. God, you're the only one that can deliver us. And how many times in our life does God have to bring things into our life to the only place that we'll look is to him. And and when they cried unto God, the next in the cycle was deliverance. God raised up a judge. He raised up a leader that would throw off the oppressing enemy, bring freedom back to Israel, and then they would have peace. The next in the cycle. And the oppression ended, the people experienced a season of peace, but then it got too good for them, and they went after the false gods and began the whole thing over. Sin, judgment, judgment until it eventually brought repentance. When they repented, God brought deliverance, and when he brought deliverance, God provided peace for them. Now, as you go through the book of Judges, there are many lessons to learn. Number one, God uses imperfect people to accomplish his purposes. Some of these judges were really imperfect. I mean, Samson was was no angel. You know the story of Samson. But God took Samson and raised him up as a deliverer. Gideon, he was living in fear. It wasn't like he was a courageous man and, and said, Hey, come on, let's go take him. He was, uh, he was living in fear. I'm not criticizing him for that. I'd probably been the same way he was, just trying to get a meal together and hiding. And even then, he, he doubted God. Jephthah was, was a, a leader of a thug gang. Honestly, get in and look at it. And God, God raised him up. And... God even raised up wicked pagan nations to be an instrument in his hand to bring repentance in Israel. It's encouraging for us to realize that nothing's out of God's hands. You know, ISIS doesn't surprise God. There's a purpose in everything that's going on in this world today. Now, if you'd notice, if you'd go to the the back of the book, chapter 21, 
and verse 25. You can find various key verses, but this is a key verse in the Bible, in the book of Judges, I mean. It's a key verse in the Bible, too, but this verse appears two times in the book of Judges, or this statement. The last verse, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Doing what we think is right is wrong. There was no standard. There was no authority. There was no record, so to speak, that says this is right. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was no standard. If I had to pick a verse today to put on the United States of America... I would put this verse. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. If I want to marry a woman, if I want to marry a man, if I want to marry several women, if I want to marry a dog, if I want to marry myself, all of these things have happened just in the realm of marriage. If I want to take our nation into $22 trillion of debt, Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. There is no standard. And, and many people, well, I don't agree with it, but if they think it's right, it's okay. No, just because people think it's right and, and just because the majority thinks it's right. I get weary of hearing on the right side of an argument, for example, I'll use The majority of people believe that abortion is wrong, so it should be wrong. That's not the argument. What are you going to do when the majority doesn't think it's wrong? That's not what makes something right or wrong. What makes it right or wrong is what God says about it. And and we live in a day that every man does that which is right in his own eyes Doing what I think is right, apart from Scripture, is wrong. Thirdly, we learn, if we do not deal thoroughly with sin, it will come back to adversely impact our life and testimony. In chapter 1 and verse 27 and verse 29 and verse 30 and verse 31 It says they did not drive out the inhabitants of the land. The whole point that God had in instructing them to drive out the inhabitants of the land, to drive out the Canaanites, was to avoid the moral corruption of the Canaanites. The Canaanites were synonymous with sin. And he said, I want you to go in and completely drive them out. Well, we can use them to build our houses. They'll be our slaves. Did what was right in their own eyes. Well, I've given up a lot of sin, but this one isn't so bad. If we don't continually, personally deal with sin in our own life, it will come back and adversely affect our life. 
You've heard it said many times over. I don't know who originated it, but it's true. Sin takes you farther than you wanted to go. It keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. And it costs you more than you wanted to pay. And the book of Judges is an example of that. Sin takes you further than you wanted to go. No one, no one started out with sin saying, I'm going to drink this because I know someday I'll be an alcoholic. No one ever thought they'd end up there. I'm going to start this relationship at work and maybe it will lead to adultery. I hope so. No one ever starts out like that. It all starts out innocently. And the reality is sin takes us places we don't want to go. It keeps us longer than we wanted to stay. Look at 350 years. They're in there battling, battling, battling. And it cost you more than you wanted to pay. It's important for us to realize God always judges sin. God always judges sin because he is a holy God. And, and because he is a holy God, his nature and character forces him to judge sin. And the reality is, he will judge sin in our personal lives, but he will judge national sins in this life. A week ago, at the State of the Union address, there was one thing that caused both the Democrats and Republicans and everybody to stand and clap. They were all in agreement. It was this fact that there are more women representatives now than there ever has been before. Let me read you a verse from Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12. As for my people... Children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Oh, that my people, those who lead you, cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. This was a judgment God brought on his people. When women rule over you, that's a judgment God brought. Does that not sound like today? Children are your oppressors. How many parents are slaves to their kids? And women rule over, and Republicans and Democrats say, Yay! The judgment of God is on our land. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. We don't like talking about it in evangelical circles. But it's a judgment of God. And... It is a judgment of God that goes along. I'm not saying men are inherently better than women. They're not. But men and women are made for different purposes. 
And God has given definite designs. And it is important for us to understand that the reality, God always judges sin. God's judgment of sins aren't always lightning bolts that come down. He says, you want to go that way? Go ahead. It may take 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, but these are the consequences that you're going to reap. But, to me, if we stopped there, we'd miss the whole point of Judges. And as I said this morning, someone said that they wish they could take Judges out of the book, out of the Bible, because they kind of facetiously said it. I love the book of Judges because it shows me that God is a very merciful God and He longs to bring revival. How many times? At least seven times they went through this cycle. And when they repented, God raised up a deliverer. God is very merciful and longs to bring revival. We sang the song in one of these books, sang the song this morning, Mercy's Anew. And and let me tell you, maybe musically we didn't do it justice but we're going to keep going at it till we get the music to match the words, okay? It's a new song. We'll learn it. But these are, listen to this. When I've fallen and strayed, there are mercies anew. For you sought me in love, and my heart you pursued. In the face of my sin, Lord, you never withdrew. I will sing of your mercies. Your mercies anew. That's what the book of Judges. When my heart, when I've fallen and strayed, there are mercies anew, and God ever pursued. And in the face of my sin, Lord, you never withdrew. That's what the book of Judges is is teaching us. God's love is unrelenting and pursuing, and a chasing love. And the book of Judges teaches us when people pray, God works. As bad as they were, I mean, there were some bad things that went on. As bad as it was when they cried out to God, God listened. When people pray, God works. What does he say in Isaiah seven fourteen? It is a direct promise to Israel, but the principle applies. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. Forgive their sins and heal their land. You know, studying through the book of Judges, it it gave me hope. And, and maybe this is because I'm of little faith, but... Honestly, and and this may be completely because I'm of little faith, I don't see the day that we're going to have a nationwide revival that our nation turns back to God. But you know what? It says here, these were tribes that went in and God raised up deliverers. Wouldn't it be nice to see South Central Iowa have a working of revival? This wasn't the whole land that turned to God. This was, this was the tribe, and he raised up 
Gideon, and he raised up Ehud, and he raised up Othniel, and he raised these up. When God's people pray, God works. But I ask the question, what is it going to take to get us to cry out to God? How bad does it have to get? You know what? It doesn't have to get bad at all if we realize our utter dependence upon God. And in realizing that, we must know the tendencies of the human cycles and resist them personally by continually drawing near to God. I mean, this chart of the cycles... We need to understand where we are in this. And we need to continually be repenting of sin and not let it get to selfishness. God, show me my selfishness. I mean, this is a little extended cycle that that you see here. And, And the reality of faith leads to courage. You see this through the book of Judges. Courage to liberty, liberty to blessing. But when we're blessed, Then we get the luxury that we have and we take things for granted and we forget the God of our fathers. There arose a generation which knew not the mighty works of God. And we get into selfish living and complacency and so on. And this is where we need to be. God, show me my sin. I want to repent. I don't want to let my heart drift away from you. I don't want to be complacent, apathetic. In our parenting class that we went through, it, it said we need, to, we need to be as parents good repenters and teach our kids to be good repenters. That's the key to revival, to be good repenters. One other lesson from the book of Judges. If God is dead, everything is permitted. Meaning, where there are no absolutes, there will be moral anarchy. And that is where we are today in our land. There is moral anarchy in our land. And it's because there is risen generations that know not God nor the power of God. This is why it is more important than ever that we be the salt and light that God wants us to be. It says, They served Israel, served the Lord all the days of Joshua and the days of his peers, but there arose a generation which knew not the mighty works of God. They may have known about him, but they didn't know personally. And that's why every, every Christian ought to be praying, God, help these young people to know your personal working. And we ought to be praying, God, help me to model it, the reality of it, so that they see a living, growing, joyous relationship with you that they would desire. I mean... Be careful as you read the book of Judges that you don't come down with condemnation upon Israel. How could they be so stupid? This is a picture of us. How many times we've gone through various cycles 
And the reality is, we must draw close to God and have a close walk with Him so that we can be a living example in the world that we live in so that they would realize there is a God. And He has established right and wrong, and God judges sin, but God is also very, very merciful. And pursuing us in love and desires of restoring us to fellowship with Him. We must know the tendencies of our heart prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave you in the heart of you. God, by my heart to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding, and I pray that we would see as believers where our hearts are prone to wander, that we would see where even now we are in sin. And God, I pray that there would be genuine repentance. I pray that there would be a returning to you, not just an outward expression, but Lord, that there would be genuine change of heart that would be manifested in our lives and that people would truly see you in us. Lord, when there is no God, no perception of God, there is moral anarchy. And Lord, we see it around us today And yet many times we fail to cry out to you. It's so easy for us to complain about the conditions. It's so easy for us to ridicule others and think, how could they be so stupid? But Lord, may we be driven to cry out to you for mercy. And may your hand be evidenced in raising up deliverers and delivering souls one by one for your glory. Lord, we plead your mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.